everyone, welcome to Real Talk Therapy, where two therapists chat about the world of mental health, the things we see, and what it's actually like to be on our side of the couch. I'm Kate. And I'm Nushin, and we are licensed therapists who specialize in eating disorders, but have opinions about so much more. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Real Talk Therapy. Nushin here. Kate is um, now with child, so I will be recording a handful of episodes on my own with some guest speakers, and so hopefully you guys won't get too sick of me, but I promise Kate will be back soon, and we're wishing her all the best of luck and lots of snuggles with her new baby boy. So today we are going to be touching on social media. Um, If you've been listening to our episodes, you know that Nushin and Kate are not fans of social media. We think it's toxic. We hate it. I wish it would just all go away. But there also can be some good in it. And we'll be touching on that as well. So today we're going to be talking a bit about social media, the good, the bad, and what we can kind of do about it. Um, So today I have Sarah Crossley joining. Um, She recorded the Sports Fandom Podcast with us. I believe that one's going to be released before this one. So (laughs) I can't remember which order this is all going in. But Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, Nushin. Thank you for having me again. And especially for this episode, this is a topic I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Cannot wait to hear um, your take on all of this. So for those of you that did not listen to the Sports Fandom Podcast, or maybe this one is out before that one. Sarah, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about yourself for our listeners. Absolutely. So I am a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Maryland. And so I'm actually one of the associates at Nushin's private practice. And so my specialties include eating disorders and trauma. And I actually recently finished training in EMDR, which was really exciting. Um, And yeah. EMDR, as you all know, is something Kate and I are obsessed with. Sarah and I did the training at the same time, and it's just been such a game changer in our work. And so if you want to learn more about EMDR, we do have an episode out recorded on that, um, just kind of going more into the ins ins and outs of what EMDR is and how it can be helpful for therapists or non-therapists to understand a bit more about. So let's get into the nitty gritty, Sarah, shall we? Absolutely. Although I should share, I'm currently propping my leg up because I sprained my knee last Friday and I'm like really agitated. I've never sprained a knee before and I did not realize the recovery time would be much longer than perhaps spraining an ankle. I've had many, many ankle sprains, Um, but I'm supposed to be going to Nashville next weekend. And as you all know, probably I'm assuming Nashville is a place where you walk around. And so I'm like propping my knee up as much as I can. Absolutely. My vote is still for a golf cart. Sarah suggested that I get a golf cart to just kind of roll around it. I don't even know if that's like legal, but maybe I'll have to look into it. (laughs) So if any of you guys have tips on Nashville, although I'm guessing this will be released after the trip, um, (laughs) please send them my way because I'm assuming I'll love it because it just sounds like a really fun place. Um, All right. So Sarah, why do you think this is such an important topic? Oof. For so many reasons. I think, especially as therapists, we we see a lot of the impacts in the room on our clients. And I think in personal lives, we, we see the impacts on our loved ones and impacts on ourselves, even the way that we engage with social media. It's gotten to the point where it's 
everywhere. It's pretty much unavoidable. And so learning how to navigate it safely, I think is is really important at this point in time as AI continues to develop, as these algorithms continue to develop. Education seems really important on this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally on board. I mean, there's just such an overall impact on the mental health it has, um, specifically for us from an eating disorder perspective, we've seen how it can impact our clients. Um, and there's just like, there's so, there are so many things about social media that we can look at as being toxic, not great, et cetera. But as I said earlier, there might be, there's also some good, but that is always going to be, I guess, based off of how you choose to use social media, how aware you are of the space that you're in and what it really does for you. So we did put some questions out on our Instagram um, this week. If you're not following us yet, at Real Talk Therapy Pod, we're always posting fun stuff about our episodes leading up to and after. Um, so please follow us if you haven't. But one of the questions we had asked was like, do you think that social media is toxic? And most people said yes. It looks like 52% said yes, 4% said no, and 43% said sometimes. And honestly, like, I feel like if I saw that question, I think when I, I, I mean, I'm part of the survey, I think I said yes. Um, so I'm like, I'd be curious to know, you know, the people that said yes versus sometimes because, you know, yeah, it can be toxic, but it can also be helpful. But I think for me, I find it more toxic than helpful. I would agree. I was part of that survey too. And I said, yes, I, Again, I might be a little bit biased. I have a lot of strong feelings on this topic. <laughs> so what have you seen, Sarah, in regards to like the impact on mental health and even specifically around eating disorders, whether it's been like in your office or just like out in the real world? I think it's been something that has been steadily increasing, but one I feel like I see a lot in younger generations. So my teenagers in the room teenagers in my life, seeing how they've grown up with social media and how it alters so many social interactions, both online and in person. I think it facilitates a lot of comparison. I think it can facilitate a lot of misinformation. And I think it it damages the way that we do connect with other people. Absolutely. You know, and as you're talking, Sarah, I'm thinking of a research study I saw a long time ago and it was the the rate of depression in teens before smartphones were introduced and after. And once smartphones were introduced, so that's when we had access to all these things in our hands. Um, and, and we're also talking texting, too. We're not just talking about social media. Um, the rate of depression in teens, like, quadrupled. Like, it was a line graph. And seeing that shift was, like, incredibly shocking for me. And... I grew up, I don't think Facebook even started until I was in college. Um, you couldn't even get a Facebook account unless you had a college email address. I'm, I don't, I'm assuming it's not that way anymore, but I, you know, MySpace was a thing, I believe when I was in high school and it was just so innocent. It was on a computer. You couldn't access it on a phone. It was like, you had your screen, you had got to put your music on there. It was just a fun way to interact with others, but it definitely was the start to all the other platforms that are out there. And I can't say it just breaks my heart when I 
am around or I see like groups of teenagers or even families and they're all on their phones. Like I like just want to shake them. <laughs> um, I think the teenagers, it's just sad because I think this is again, just what they've grown up with. And, you know, my hope is that as the newer generations are having children like myself and, you know, mine are in elementary school, that once I get to a space where a cell phone is even an option, that we are able to have discussions with them around what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. But um, I digress and go off on tangents at times, guys, as you are aware, but it it is, it's the impact on mental health, I think is huge. And um, we'll be talking in a bit too about around maybe some of the changes that are happening and some of the recommendations and regulations that are being put in place, at least here in the U.S. My understanding is Europe is way far ahead of us, of course. Um, shocker. But it's, I think it's refreshing to also know that hopefully there is some change and some awareness coming our way. I definitely agree. So I think actually the first time I got a smartphone was when I was in college. So Facebook came around in high school, smartphone came around in college. And so, I mean, you shouldn't, that's a great point in terms of before it was only accessible on a computer or, you know, when you had the phone and you might be able to connect to the internet, but then you'd have to like shut it really fast to cancel it before your parents would have to pay extra. But now instead of it becoming a way to socialize, it almost feels like it's become the only way to socialize. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. Um, I recorded um, our mom guilt episode, which I believe will come out before this um, with my friend Lori. And we had, we were talking a bit about like as parents with social media and, and how like we in a way feel bad if our you know, maybe my kids, because I'm choosing for them to not have a smartphone until a certain age, but then they're surrounded by their peers that do. And that has got to be a really difficult, I think, it's got to be a really difficult one for the parents to continue to implement those boundaries when, you know, like Sally Jane is coming home every day, like, well, Susie has a cell phone and and James has a cell phone and, and you know, Don has a cell phone, but I don't. Um, so not only is it hard, I think, for the parent to help continue to set those boundaries, it's probably really hard for the kid to still feel good within themselves when they're constantly comparing. And talking about comparisons, I think that is huge when it comes to you know social media. One of the questions we put out was, if you do think social media is toxic, why? And most people said comparisons. Like it's hard to not compare to whether these influence these are these influences, but also like the filters are insane. Like not only can you change what your face looks like, but I'm pretty sure you can change what your body looks like. And now we're getting more into our specialty of eating disorders and how that can impact the clients that we're working with. Yeah, I think the the comparison piece is probably the most prevalent way I, I see social media popping up and and often in negative ways. I know with comparison and the way I talk about it with my clients is, you know, comparison isn't inherently a bad thing. We can use it um, in a lot of ways to be pretty helpful when we do upward comparisons, which is just when you compare yourself to to somebody or something that you want to strive to. It may help you work harder. It may help you learn new techniques. It may help you achieve those goals. However, I think we are more often seeing a lot of the negative impacts of comparison where it is creating senses of helplessness. It is creating low self-esteem. It's creating this idea that um, 
you know, comparing our lives to somebody's highlight reel. And and they're putting there what they want us to see, right? And that was another point that people made on our survey too was, you know, we're only seeing what people are choosing to put out there. And I think this is a consistent message that, you know, I send to my clients who might be comparing themselves to others, um, whether it's like being a mom or, you know, just what they're doing or what they're achieving. It's like, well, Susie Jane had you know, these amazing family photos where everything looked perfect, but it's like, yeah, but you're only seeing the one out of like a hundred pictures where the other 99 were maybe the children melting down or like, you know, the hair in the face or whatever. So it, it can be really hard. I think, especially if someone isn't in a good space themselves. And so that's, you know, one thing we want everyone to keep in mind is being really aware of your own mental state in general, because that will impact the way that you take in this content and the amount of content you choose to take in. Another point that our uh, Instagram followers put was the addiction component. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There might be times where I'm sitting here and, you know, maybe the kids have gone to bed and I'm like, well, I feel like I should go to sleep or read or something. But instead, I'm like sucked into maybe some reels because I follow some really funny people or, you know, I'm trying to figure out the best way to approach a child with ADHD. Right. But like even while you're going through, like you're still going to have all these other things pop up and it just becomes this like big suck into this alternate universe. Um, so the addiction component, I think, is really real. And I think not only are we talking about smartphones or I'm sorry, social media, but we're talking about in general, the use of the smartphone, whether it's playing games, whether it's, you know, obsessive reading over, you know, what's going on in the world, because we know there is a lot, unfortunately, going on in the world right now. And sometimes overfeeding yourself with the news when it's right in your hand can feel toxic as well. I don't know the the study off the top of my head, but I believe a study came out relatively recently where um, it kind of described how the prevalent use of smartphones and that consistent exposure to so much media has actually shortened the general attention span, which to me is pretty wild. And I, I mean, I completely agree as somebody who tries to be mindful about social media use and somebody who tries to be really aware of the negative impacts it can have, I still get sucked in. I, that is, it's really, it's a really good point. Um, I even know with my children, uh, so for those of you that haven't listened before, I have a second and a fourth grader, they, they will tell me they're bored, like within minutes of walking through the door from school. And I'm like, great, find something to do. Like I'm not, we are very strict with screen time in our home from an iPad space, like TV is what it is. I don't really care about that. I know I watched hours of TV and played hours of Nintendo and I'm pretty sure I'm okay for the most part. <laughs> um, but it, it's so interesting. It's really, really fascinating to see what happens with them when they are using their iPads, um, especially directly after using them. Um, and just to be clear here, like my kids do not have any access to Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever. They play Roblox with their friends. Um, maybe they watch some YouTube kids videos, which I still don't feel great about, but it's YouTube kids. I don't let them watch regular YouTube because I don't trust that universe at all. Um, but even if they're on it for an hour and, you know, I'm like, all right, guys, it's time to get off. They can feel, they seem really agitated. Um 
they, again, are like, I'm bored because there isn't this constant stimulation, right? When you're on social media or YouTube kids or whatever, you can swipe so quickly or scroll so quickly to find some other content to keep you engaged. And if something isn't keeping you engaged, you swipe. Like I know that I've come across videos where I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then I'm like, all right, like you're not catching my attention next. Um, So I'm super guilty of that. But I also think that the pandemic has impacted so much of this. Um, One of my friends was uh, chaperoning sixth grade outdoor ed so I don't know what things are like outside of Maryland, but in Maryland in sixth grade, you go to like two nights of outside, like hunger down in a cabin, learning all the nature skills. It's like so much fun. I loved sixth grade outdoor ed. And she was telling me that it was so apparent that these kids were not used to being in large groups for long periods of time because their ability to to not like just be all over the place, like having to redirect constantly and just stay. Like I remember growing up and always being in large groups as, you know, whether it was an assembly or some other activity where I think the pandemic, but also like the introduction of social media, because we can isolate so much easier in that way is a hundred percent impacting kids in ways that maybe some people aren't realizing. And kind of going to the biology behind addiction, we know it it often comes when when there's an action and then it's followed by a release of dopamine. And so I know, again, there have been some studies showing that things like getting likes on certain posts result in that immediate rush of dopamine. And so I know I've, I've had conversations with teenagers where they'll post something, didn't get the likes that they wanted, take it down and then need to post it again to try and get a different amount of likes. And so even that process, getting recognized, acknowledged, tagged, liked becomes addicting. Yeah, I mean it's it just breaks my heart because what's happening is they are seeking out so much external validation and when they're not getting it it's going to impact them even further. I mean they aren't in a space to have their own internal compass to, you know, help them feel okay within themselves. And and I think that's really normal for a teenager anyway. I don't think there are a lot of 100% confident teens out there. Um, But to then change what you're doing based off of the attention you're getting, like I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, I obviously was not a teenager during this time. And I like, I can't imagine how that would have impacted me if I was in this world of everything's posted, shared, you hear about a party or you don't, or you see, you know, your three friends getting together, but you weren't invited. Like there's just so much more to when it comes to social media and how it's impacting um, the younger generation. And, and I think, you know, adults as well. I mean, there's, it's different, but I really like worry about the future with this younger generation and how everything has impacted them. It's like actually pretty scary. Um, you know, Sarah, I I remember there being like some sort of study um, on eating disorder content for TikTok. Like, do you know which one I'm talking about? Yes, I do, actually. So um, again, we can always do some searching and find the exact study, but there was a study done I believe within the last five years, where a couple of researchers created some some kind of fake TikTok profiles and were careful about you know the posts that they were interacting with, and they timed it, and it took an average of eight minutes of use for eating disorder content to begin popping up on 
what were created as teen profiles. What, like, that's just so fascinating to me because, like, I'm not getting that sort of content. Why do you think it's happening with the teens? So I think so much of it goes into the the algorithms that social media use. And so for anybody who's not familiar with it, the, the algorithms are kind of the formula that social media uses to provide the next video or provide the next post. And so the way that they work is they take the videos that you're interacting with, which means the videos you're liking, you're commenting on, you're watching, and even the ones that you're only watching for a few seconds and immediately filling your feed with more videos that contain similar elements to them. It also connects based on who your friends are. And so what your friends may be seeing they connect it to, okay, if this person likes it, then maybe their friend would like it too. And so once it, once it kind of happens with, with so much of the Fitzbo out there, so much of the, you know, uh, um, so-called nutritionists out there, so much of the body image pieces, it, it's a slippery slope really quickly. It, it feels as though it takes watching one video and, and it happens. And I know, I was really curious about it myself. And so I tried it and it did not take long at all. Wow. That's so scary. And, you know, I think about the things that or the people that I follow on social media and there's a wide range of like people that are funny, someone who like shows you how to make your hair curly because my hair is very curly. So I'm like on a curly hair journey. Um, Or just like I follow a lot of dietitians that we work with or that are, you know, health at every size dietitians. And what happens is my content is so wonky. Like I'll get like a post about, you know, what a non-diet dietitian, you know, how they might work with a client. And then I'm like, how I lost weight on my, you know, 10 day journey. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what is this? Like, this isn't what I want to see. Um, so it, and like, for me, you know, again, I assume I'm of like healthy mind that I'm able to look at this and be like, this is not helpful for me. This is not anything I want to see where for someone else, whether you're a teenager or an adult, like if you're not in a good mental space, if you do have a history of depression or anxiety, if you do have a history of an eating disorder or are working on recovery from an eating disorder, that kind of stuff can really, really impact you. And so it's just like really just, I guess disheartening to know that this stuff is going on and we haven't even gotten into the trends where people are literally dying because of what they're seeing on social media like that's a whole nother thing which like i i i don't even know like i don't even know what to say about it even the silly trend i don't know if you saw this sarah more recently where like people were cracking eggs on their kids foreheads did you see that trend i didn't think that was funny like like i I think people thought that was funny, but I'm like, I'm not cracking an egg on my seven-year-old's forehead. Like they probably would not like that very much where then there's like the funnier ones where it's like, you know, you, I think you fill your mouths with water and you like slap each other with a tortilla. Like that one was funny because they were both adults and they're both consenting to this, but there are some really like life-threatening trends out there. One, for example, like jumping out of a car while it's moving. Like I, it, it boggles my mind that one, people are doing it and posting it. Two, 
then there's like a trend and others are doing it. And it just really is going to show like what is going on where this is even happening, right? Like it's just terrifying. Absolutely. And I I know I can name like several right off the bat that freak me right out. Um, So uh, similar to the car one, there is one like jumping out of speedboats. And again, I think that's part of where the algorithm comes in too, where if you're interacting with certain videos, so if you're scrolling and you see somebody doing the speedboat challenge, you're going to get the next however many videos with people doing the speedboat challenge. And then it kind of warps our sense of, okay, what what's an actual kind of sample size of who's doing this? So suddenly it seems like, oh, everybody's doing it because I'm seeing so many videos. Mm. When the reality is that's that's just a small subset of the population. But I mean, Nushin, like you mentioned earlier, I can't imagine trying to navigate social media as a teen when you are are just working so hard to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're in a space where you're not feeling like you can connect with others, you might then start to do things where you'll get those likes, you'll get the follows, et cetera. Well, I I don't feel like I have friends that I can talk to, but maybe if I do this like life-threatening challenge and post it, people will think I'm a badass and like, like me, you know, there's just so much to say. I mean, the brain is constantly maturing until the age of 25. And so, you know, we're capable of believing and doing so much more than maybe we should be doing rationally. Um, yeah. I know, so we've been talking a lot about like the bad sides to social media. And I think I mentioned some of the good, right? Like if you've listened to our infertility podcast or the pregnancy podcast, or just in general, I think that, you know, there are some good that can come out of social media. Like, you know, if you are on an infertility journey, you can find, you know, professionals that have, feedback or experiences around it, you know, as therapists and dietitians, like we make sure we have, um, you know, healthy social media feeds. And we have a lot of people that follow us for, you know, the promotion of recovery, et cetera. And personally, for me, as I said, I'm on my curly hair journey. There are a lot of influences out there that show you how to make your hair look on fire and it is working. And I love it. And like, I'm not going to lie, like my feed is full of a lot of curly haired individuals. Now, are they promoting products? Sure. Am I buying said products? Sometimes. But like to actually see what they're doing and how they're doing it is like amazing. And I love it. It's like so exciting for me. Um, So there is there is some good there. Right. Or is there there are a lot of people like they give really great, great parenting advice, like Dr. Becky on the good side. She is amazing. And I love the feedback that she gives for parents, but not all of it's bad. Most of it is, but a lot of it can be good. Um, Sarah, like, I'm curious for you, like, what do you find as the good being as well with social media? Yeah. I mean, I think you touched on a lot of it that I think when social media is consumed mindfully, finding those professionals, finding those accounts that are providing accurate information, support, I mean, it's a great way to find community. And, and that is something that really can't be understated. And there's also just the enjoyment aspect of it. So I'm going to go ahead and say 60% of my feed is Buffalo Bills content, which people <laughs> will know if they listen to the super fan episode. And then the other 40% is dogs. And so in that moment, again, when you're regulating how much you're using it and how you're using it, it can be a great little mental vacation. It can be just a great way to find some entertainment. 
I love that you bring up the dogs because I have so many English bulldogs on my feed, Pablo in particular, and now his younger brother, Diego. Like I love bulldog reels because they are just, they are fascinating creatures and they're so funny. Um, But yeah, that's a good point. Like a lot of it for me is entertainment, right? Like maybe there's comedians or, you know, people that just, you know, do stuff that kind of help distract you from all the things that are going on in the world. But really it's, as we've mentioned earlier, it's just understanding the content that you're watching, what it's doing for you, and when does it feel like it's getting to an unhealthy space? Um, So Sarah, do you mind touching a bit on like kind of maybe some of the, the ways that whether it's the US or other countries are understanding like wait a second maybe some things need to change here yes i would love to so i think one of the more exciting ones that i found was around france and so i believe this happened as soon as the spring um however france passed a law where now if a photo is posted of a model where her face or body or his face or body or their face or their body has been edited in any way, it must be labeled as that. And I think that is awesome. They they will end up facing fines if that's violated. But back to that idea of the filters and the comparison, it it kind of levels the playing field, so to speak. It it helps give a more accurate representation of real bodies and mm-hmm. real faces. Yeah. I think so, that that's great. I remember seeing that and being like, oh thank you. Maybe one day the US will follow suit, but probably not. <laughs> Yeah, I would. I will keep my fingers crossed for that. Um, I think another one, and actually this is really great timing because I think this happened on like Tuesday and we're recording on Friday. Um, Meta is actually, so Meta is the company that owns Facebook and Instagram. And so they actually just had lawsuits filed by dozens of states um, for not being exactly honest about the research and the data they had that were showing social media's negative impacts on teens, especially in the areas of depression and body image. And so that came about after a a whistleblower came forward and and shared that information, shared that data that was being withheld. And so, again, hopefully that paves the way for a lot of helpful regulations that, that again, can just support using healthy social media in a healthy way. Mm Mm-hmm. I I remember seeing that article a few days ago and I was like, yes, this is amazing. And you know what? That whistleblower, like good for you. Like that, that couldn't have been an easy position to be in. And I, you know, I saw that and I was like, great, like this needs to happen. Like they need to be held accountable. Um, You know, I was looking at, you know, Surgeon General also, I think it was like maybe last year released that a warning too on social media um, and like, what they recommend as an appropriate age. And they said younger than 10, which I feel like it should be older than that. But like basically anyone younger than the age of 10 shouldn't have, you know, access to any sort of social media, Um, but that they're still doing, you know, more research. I mean, this is all still so new, but not um, where I think there are more and more research studies are going to start coming out. So the Surgeon General has said, you know, anyone under the age of 10 should not have access to social media and, you know, hopefully that, you know, parents kind of take that seriously. But in the end, you know, you're going to do what, you know, makes sense to you. And, you know, really now what we can start talking about is how can we support, how can we support each other and and our children in 
around social media, right? So like if your child is 15, 16, has access, has their own accounts, um, or you do, right? Like I think pretty sure most adults out there have one social media account. And if you don't, amazing. I would love to be in your shoes one day. Um, But I think a lot of this is about just like having honest discussions, right? Like being able to, you know, talk to your kids about, all right, so when we are on Roblox, right? Like having those privacy settings, if somebody tries to friend you that you don't know or tries to talk to you, we do not talk to those people. I mean, I think there's privacy settings where no one can message my kids, period. Um, Or like if one day my kids do have social media, it's being able to talk to them openly about, you know, what they're looking at, looking at at it with them together. So it doesn't feel like it's the secret, like talking about maybe the uncomfortable discussions that maybe we do have to talk about. So it's really having grounded conversations with these people in our lives so that we can understand one another and, you know, make sure when we are struggling that there might be someone there to check in with us as well. Like, Hey, I've noticed you've been scrolling for the past three hours. Like what's going on there. (laughs) I think that is huge. That idea of having honest and ongoing conversations about social media use and all of those difficult topics where individuals might go to social media to learn more about and might not always be getting the the most accurate information. So I know I have sat in sessions with clients before we've watched a, a triggering TikTok video or whatever it might be that they saw during the week. And we've gone through it together and, and highlighted, okay, where are these not factually correct? What would be a different way to look at this? And it, it can turn into something really productive. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, just I think the importance of it being ongoing too, as social media evolves, as as AI evolves, and and as the way everybody engages with it evolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just continuing to have those discussions and being aware of like your own mental space as well, right? Like I know for me, if I've like had a bad day and I find myself scrolling, like trying to have that insight of like, what is this doing for me? Is this just providing like a little bit of a distraction because I'm watching like Pablo the Bulldog, like be silly, or am I like kind of sucked into, you know, Britney Spears and her, her continuous, I don't even know what to say, headline making. It's also fascinating to me. Um, Yeah. So, you know, guys, if you have any questions around how to handle the stuff, like feel free to reach out and we can provide you with some resources, but I'm really glad that we were able to have this discussion, Sarah. And I, and I hope that it was helpful for our listeners. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Nushin. And and absolutely, I hope everybody was able to take something away from it. Yeah. So I know since you've been on with on with us before, um, the question that we've been asking our our uh, oh my gosh, I can't talk. Asking our guests is, what's your favorite self care activity? Which you've already answered in our last episode, which I believe was watching the bills. Um, so instead, I'm going to ask you. What is like your dream vacation, assuming you haven't taken it yet? Ooh, that's a good one. And however, I will say watching the Buffalo Bills lately has has not been the best self-care. <laughs> hey, um, I'm not a Redskins fan. <laughs> <laughs> so dream vacation. Oof. I am definitely a beach girl. So anywhere tropical, anywhere where I don't have to do anything except be on the beach, I would love to try snorkeling or scuba, just exploring the water. I would say that's that's my ideal. 
Yeah, I know that clear water is just a dream. Um, I I agree. I am a beach girl as well, as well as like an all-inclusive resort where you don't have to cook or worry about any of that stuff, right? You just, it gets brought to you. Um, all right. Well, thanks again for joining us, Sarah. We are so thankful to have you and hope you all have a wonderful day and that you tune in soon. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.